today on Broadway for Friday, December 1st. What? I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. <laughs> and I am Broadway star's James Marino. <laughs> and I'm Broadway AMA's Caitlin Milligan. What? Yeah. It's this... I, man. I Wasn't know, it I, just yeah. September, like, five minutes ago? I mean, technically, no, but yes. Microsoft <sighs> Word doesn't even believe it. <laughs> well, yeah, I forgot to change the date in this script. Yeah. Sorry about that. It's not November 10th. Um, Whoa. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's just out of nowhere. I, I don't know. I, I guess time flies when the world's about to fall apart. You guys only have a couple of days to get your presents ready for me. Well, yeah. <laughs> What'd well, you get she, us? <laughs> a radio show. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it is December, and we have uh, a bunch of uh, presents that Broadway is going to be giving to all of us soon, aren't we? Oh, I, Jesus! You know, well, uh, we'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> 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 all right. So speaking of getting to that, let's get right to the news. Uh, the critics have their say on the Parisian woman on Broadway. Yeah, these presents aren't nearly as bad as those other presents we're going to talk about later, but these still not so great. Uh, last night, the Parisian woman opened uh, on Broadway from playwright and House of Cards creator Bo Willimon. It's directed by Tony Award winner Pam McKinnon and stars the Academy Award-nominated screen star Uma Thurman. It also features Josh Lucas, Tony winner Blair Brown, Martin Kasakis, and Philippa Sue. Um, the reviews were not so hot. Uh, you know, I've been noticing that it pretty much, if a play doesn't come from an off Broadway run, it has not been getting great reviews lately. And it almost feels like if you're going to do a, a play on Broadway, you need to set it up with an off Broadway, not for profit theater first. Cause that's really the only path that's been having any kind of success here lately. Let's start with Jesse green from the New York times who said, quote, Fundamentally, the play wants to be about the price of ambition, which in the end doesn't seem to be very high. Tom, which is uh, Josh Lucas's character, is a closet liberal, has spent his professional lifetime donating equally to Republicans and Democrats, and is untroubled by the prospect of lying during his confirmation hearings should he be nominated for a judgeship, which kind of is what the plot revolves around here. Chloe, which is Thurman's character, fervently supports him, admitting that she and her generation, as she sententiously uh, adds, didn't do enough. We stood by and watched it all happen. Why this bothers her only now is not explained, nor are we given any reason to believe the basic setup of their marriage, which includes a license to have discreet affairs as long as honesty is maintained, something you also see in House of Cards, which is another topic altogether. The possibility of jealousy never arises. It would complicate the already overcomplicated plot. Rather, Mr. Willimon engages in, because I say so, stakes building. Things we need to know, handsome 40-ish lawyer bears secret anguish over sense of purposelessness, has posted baldly in dialogue like a weird Tinder profile. But then nothing in this play, not one line or ginned up plot turned, feels real. That some of the cast members nevertheless do feel real is a tribute to the great mystery of stage performance, which brings us back to Miss Thurman. Unlike many actors whose expertise derives from movies, she has no trouble fully inhabiting and projecting even a jury-rigged character like Chloe. Her intelligence and, it has to be said, 
her innate glamour make it possible to care about someone you do not believe in. Most of the rest of the cast, their parts even less defined, struggle to offer coherent portraits. This proves no impediment to Miss Brown, however, whose 40-plus years on the stage provide her with an arsenal of theatrical weapons she can deploy at any moment. Watch her coup and pride over her daughter, watch her collapse and mortification later. Her second long scene with Miss Thurman, when the tables get turned, is the high point of the drama. In fact, it may be the only drama. Okay. Uh, surprisingly positive notices for the leading lady in that one, despite the rest of the re- not, review not being great. Let me run through a few other short ones here real quick. Matt Winman of AM New York said, although the play revolves around heavy-handed political machinations, it still manages to feel slight and slow. The characters are initially interesting, but prove to be one-dimensional. The direction does little to pep up the production. One gets the sense that the Parisian woman was built specifically as a star vehicle to showcase showcase the actress playing Chloe to make her alluring and dominant while not demanding much in terms of acting. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show just two out of five stars, and Sarah Holdren from Vulture said, quote, The Parisian woman is back on stage, lounging at the Hudson Theater after a makeover for the age of Twitter and Trump. But despite high voltage, both on stage and off, Uma Thurman is our present-day Parisian and Willimon created House of Cards. The results are not sparkly, but wooden and smug. In attempting to walk the line between classic sexual intrigue and contemporary political resonance, the Parisian woman falls flat on both counts, delivering yet another lamely apologetic, latently self-satisfied slog through the worldview of ostensibly liberal white dude. I, I love Sarah Holdren. Um, uh, you know, so I I don't know. It just seems like we, we keep getting all these plays that are coming straight to Broadway based off of the reviews of this. And then yesterday with Meteor Shower that have a kernel of a good idea, but haven't had the developmental process that would get them in tip top shape. And, you know, and that's something why musicals at least have a little bit better chance because of how complicated they are. They go through these longer processes of development. And while that's super expensive and is obviously cost prohibitive for a play in a lot of cases, it just seems like they're at least in more finely tuned shape when they get to the Broadway than a lot of these plays are, James. Got to do your homework. Yeah. Um, but Meteor Shower did have an out-of-town thing, but with a different creative team. Uh, yes. we, we want to point out, uh, but still, I, I I know exactly what you're saying. With a new creative team, it, it's like a whole new show. Just wanted to point out so that we didn't get yeah. tweeted at. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually had it actually had two out of town things. Same th- that previous creative team, they did one in like a co-production in California and then Connecticut. I think New Haven was it in New Haven? Uh, I think Long Wharf. Yeah, uh, I think maybe. Now we're yeah. going to get tweeted. Yeah, anyway. yeah. yeah, whatever. <laughs> At least it's not Canada. It, 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 uh, yes. All right. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about this on This Week on Broadway, uh, this weekend with Peter and Michael, and I see it next week, so we'll have to see what we see. Uh, next in the show and casting news, we have a uh, story, Woman in White Could Be Aiming for a Broadway Return. 
Yeah, I'm going to run through a bunch of these real quick stories. Then we're going to get to the crappy stuff, and then we're going to let Caitlin talk. But I'm going to just go through these real quickly. Um, Apparently, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Woman in White is having a little bit of a resurgence across the pond. After some heavy uh, revisions over the past decade, the show was recently mounted just last week at London's Sharing Cross Theater, where it's attracted attention from producers. It is apparently, if things continue to go well, going to then do a UK tour, followed by a run in a West End theater, with the idea of then eventually transferring to Broadway. While, as Forbes's Mark Hirschberg mentions in his article about this, while that seems to not be the most obvious route to get a show on Broadway, especially for a revival after a very short-lived, unheralded production, because of all of the different financial structures for theater in the UK, a lot of it having to do with unions, um, this is the most cost-effective way to get the show ready and to develop it before it can make the jump across the Atlantic. So, um, our good friend Al Silbs did the show over in the West End. Uh, she was the first replacement uh, in The Woman in White, so maybe she'll get a chance to do it in the in uh, in Broadway. But uh, keep an eye out for that one. Apparently, Andrew Lloyd Webber doesn't like it when one of his shows closes on Broadway with Cats going to happen, so he's got to replace it. So he's got 18 others running at the same time. Uh, in other show and casting news, as we predicted last week the vineyard theater has again extended its one person show harry clark starring tony winner billy crudup it will now play through saturday december 23rd guys at the vineyard just do it go through the end of the year you're going to end up going through the end of the year anyway if not longer so just pull the band-aid off it'll it'll be okay the show's getting great reviews uh uh director lee silverman's getting great notices as is playwright david kale and obviously billy crudup is doing a great job stay tuned for that next extension coming up i'm sure very soon also extending over at St. Luke's Place is the new musical This One's for the Girls. The show, which opened on December 27th uh, by Dorothy Marsick, will now extend all the way through June 30th, or at least that's when tickets are on sale. Um, for more information, you can check that out in the show notes. And uh, this one's uh, pretty fun here. The Classic Stage Company announced yesterday the cast of the upcoming production of Terrence McNally's play Fire and Ice. It will star such names as the great John Glover, Douglas Hodge, and of course, uh, one of our favorites, Marin Maisie, as well as Marsha Mason and Jay Armstrong Johnson. The play will be a limited engagement from January 17th through February 25th with a February 1st opening night. Fire and Air explores the rich history of the Ballets Russes, uh, an an into Russian ballet company surrounded by great talents of art, design, and music. The tempestuous relationship between a dancer and a choreographer revolutionizes dance forever sounds like fun uh and then finally our boy baz bama boy over from the london's daily mails reported that paula hawkins international best-selling novel the girl on the train will receive a stage adaptation i hope it's better than its big screen adaptation which was very disappointing the adapted script will be written by rachel wagstaff and duncan abel the play is scheduled to run at the west yorkshire playhouse in leeds joe murphy will direct and performances begin on may 12th caitlin did you happen to see the uh, film girl or the film version of the girl on the train I didn't, but I actually read the book and really enjoyed it, which is why I didn't go see the movie because of what I heard. Yeah, yeah, I read the book as well, and it was a great book. So I have really high expectations when you see the cast who's in it with uh, 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 Emily Blunt and uh, uh, Alice and Janney, but super disappointing. So I hope this one's better. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we have uh, another story here. Uh, two stories here in in a section where 
sexual misconduct scandal continues to rock the theater. Uh, yeah, this is going to be an ongoing story, unfortunately. And and James, I, I feel like I, I speak for both of us on this. We're going to cover this. We're going to talk about these because um, I think this is going to be something that whether it's today or over maybe next week, we're going to be hearing a lot more of these types of stories. We're going to cover them. It is not going to be unless there's something that completely um, has – super implications that we have to talk about at the very top. We're not going to focus on this, but we feel like we need to at least let everybody know what's going on with some of these things. But this isn't why we do this show. So uh, while we'll talk about them, we're not going to necessarily uh, make that the focus of things, um, at least on The Daily Show. Maybe we'll talk about them in depth on, an, on, on another format. But yesterday there were two big um, – I, I'm not accusations. There, the big major things go on in this in the world of theater. The first is the New York Times had a big expose about nine women who have accused playwright and artistic director Israel Horowitz of sexual misconduct dating back decades. The young women involved um, were all in some way under the mentorship of Horowitz, um, and in many cases, they were women who have known him from childhood and. Um, you can read the, the actual details of what the accusations are. That's not something that we feel like we are talking about. Mr. Horowitz has not commented yet. However, he has stepped down from a number of various positions. His son, um, Adam Horowitz, who is a member of the uh, the rap group, uh, the Beastie Boys, has come out and said he supports the women. He believes them. Uh, and uh, Horowitz, who is 78, uh, says that he has had different memories of how these events happen and he apologized to the women but other than that we haven't got a whole lot of details and then last night variety exclusively reported that telsey and company has parted ways with uh casting director justin huff um who has been working with them for about four four or five years and has had uh, hands in casting kinky boots newsies the color purple on your feet honeymoon in vegas and more uh, Bernard Telsey, uh, Bernie Telsey said that they got some information about some very seriously inappropriate behavior that has gone on uh, last week. He looked into it, researched it, and let Justin Huff go last week. Um, officially, there is no details on what those things are, but I'm sure they are not good if we do end up hearing them. And like I said, I, this is probably going to be something, as you mentioned at the top of the show, James, that we have to talk about a lot because it feels like... Uh, there are going to be some big bombshells coming in the next 24 hours or maybe the latest on Monday. We have a seismic change happening uh, nationwide right now. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, I don't think any of us expected Broadway to be immune from this. And um, it's good to get these things out in the open so that uh, predators don't feel as though that they are welcome in this industry because they are not. Yeah, it's... But it's not fun or easy to do so. No, absolutely. All right, let's move forward. Uh, Two-time Tony nominee David Allen Greer among the latest additions to a Christmas love story live. A Christmas story live. <laughs> a Christmas love story live is a completely <laughs> yeah. different thing. That's on Hallmark, twenty-four-seven now yeah. through Christmas. Um, I actually had this story originally in the show and casting news, but Caitlin, I didn't want to go straight from all of the sexual misconduct stuff into yours. I wanted to give you a buffer of happiness because the amazing two-time Tony nominee David Allen Greer has joined the cast of A Christmas Story Live on Fox. He will be playing good old Saint Nick Santa Claus himself. Uh, if you have forgotten, because this doesn't seem to have gotten nearly the pub that a lot of the NBC ones that have run in Disney have over the years. A Christmas Story 
Story Live will air on Fox on Sunday, December 17th. He will also be joined by Dr. Ken Jong, who will be playing two roles. First, a Christmas tree salesman and a restaurant owner. If you know the movie, you know what part that is. And then, Caitlin, I got to ask you, have you ever heard of a boy band called Pretty Called what? Pretty Much. No, I thought that you were going to say more because it didn't sound anything real to no. me. Well, it's 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 just the words pretty and much put together in one word in all caps. Apparently, they are going huh. to be a band of carolers uh, in the production. They obviously join uh, Maya Rudolph, Matthew uh, Broderick, Jane Krakowski, Chris Diamond, Topolis, uh, Anna Gasteyer, and the newcomer, and hopefully not related to Chris, Andy Walken. So I'm sure we'll be talking all about that here in a couple of weeks. But uh, uh, I love, love, love David Allen Greer. So this made me a little bit more excited for this than I already was. Is it bad that I've never seen A Christmas Story? Uh, no, as I mentioned yesterday, I think it's a terrible movie and not a good holiday movie at all. So I completely absolve you of any film uh, lover, cinematic <laughs> lover sins that you might have created by not seeing it. Thank you. I appreciate your absolution. Yeah, considering you went to, you went to Catholic school too, didn't you, Caitlin? I did, but the only reason I haven't seen it is because my parents hate it, and I just was like, yeah. oh, if they hate it, it must be bad. Yeah, your parents have good taste, but since all three of us went to Catholic school, I feel like we can absolve <laughs> each other of sins because of all the years we had to go through, uh, you know, the I mean, I can, of the diocese. Yeah, I can basically, you know, repeat exactly what happens in confession anyway, so... Yeah, <laughs> before. you could probably actually you could probably actually like perform weddings. You've uh, you know, you've been through so much religious My stuff. Anyway, James, performing a wedding. Well, there you go. All right, James, let's uh, <laughs> let's move on. Sorry for the really odd uh, tangent there. <laughs> That's pretty much going to be a great story. All right. So, uh, you know, I waited like two minutes for that. Uh, so, Caitlin, uh, tell us what is happening off sta- off the stage. Yeah, so there's actually a lot going on this week, especially in the um, the world of benefits. So we'll get started on what's going on off the stage. This Sunday, Brooke Shields and Tony Award winner Tanya Pinkins will take part in a benefit concert performances of the 1967 Disney music, movie musical The Happiest Millionaire, alongside the film's original stars Leslie Ann Warren and Joyce Bolifant. Celebrating the 50th anniversary of the movie musical, the performances will take place at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater at 7 and 9.30 p.m. as a fundraiser for Broadway Care's Equity Fights 8. Also on Sunday, December 4th, is Sparkle, an all-star holiday concert, which returns to New York City for the third consecutive year. Nick Adams, Max von Essen, Constantine Maroulis, and more are scheduled to headline this event. Proceeds from the event benefit the programs and services of the Actors Fund. This one-night-only holiday event, produced and hosted by TV personality Scott Nevins, will take place at the Cutting Room Cabaret in Manhattan at 7.30 p.m. On Monday, December 4th at 7 p.m., Laura Bell Bundy, Norbert Norbert Leo Butts, Nikki M. James, Soshana Bean, and more are some of the stars who will be joining forces for the Gala to Benefit Food, Health, and Hope, an answer to diabetes. Initiative of the charity Broadway Beats Hunger being held at the Paper Mill Playhouse in Milburn, New Jersey. Proceeds from the event will go to fund free diabetes screenings, fresh, healthy, and diabetes-friendly food at no cost, 
and more. Also, right, on before you, hold on, before you get going, you mentioned Laura Bell Bundy, and I have to throw this in here. If you <laughs> don't follow her on Instagram, uh, last night she, it was an Instagram story, so depending on when you listen to this, you might be able to see it again. She had a return of her iconic character, Shokantel Brown, um, on her Instagram story as the hashtag 12 days of Cooter. If you aren't familiar with her web series that she's done over the years, Cooter County, Shokantel Brown is a treat. So if you haven't seen it, hurry and go over to Laura Bell Bundy's Instagram story. It's very, very funny. I, I love me some show can tell. Okay, I'm done. Like, I could just like hear you smiling through that. Like how it's happy so you good. It is so that. it is so dumb and so <laughs> awesome. It makes you realize just like how broad the talents of, of, of Laura Bell Bundy actually are. Well, I guess we'll all have to go check it out then. Yes. All right. So also on Monday, uh, Ben Vereen, Cheetah Rivera, Christy Altimore, Anika Larson, Jesse Mueller, and more are set to perform at the Broadway at Birdland concert series, An Evening of Song. The concert benefits the Art Attack Foundation, which uh, Rivera serves as the chairperson for. The Art Attack Foundation provides scholarship funding and outreach opportunities for young performers to achieve their full artistic potential. The concert marks the 14th anniversary of this organization. On Monday, December 4th at 4.30 and Tuesday, December 5th at 2 p.m. is the 29th annual Gypsy of the Year competition, which is produced by and benefiting Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. It's at the New Amsterdam Theater, and the show will be hosted by Seth Rudesky. Gypsy of the Year celebrates the talented singers and dancers and the ensembles of shows historically known as gypsies. More than 200 gypsies and special guests will perform original skits, songs, and dances at the December performances, with awards being presented for the best presentation and for the top fundraisers from those from the different uh, categories. This year's show will feature more than 150 Broadway and off-Broadway singers and dancers, including Laura Benanti, Keegan-Michael Key, Adam Kaplan, Leslie Margarita, and more. Last year's event raised $4.5 million, so we're definitely excited to see what they do this year. And then on Wednesday, December 6th, Alex, Alice Ripley and Emily Skinner will be performing Unattached at 54 Below, with new material and some of their old favorites. Ripley and Skinner premiered the show in 2016, and it was their first performance together in New York in nearly nine years. They're back now by popular demand and after many sold-out shows. The show's at 7 p.m., and it definitely sounds like one worth going to. And then after 54 Below is Matt Doyle and his band The Whiskey Five, who will be performing to celebrate his holiday album, Make the Season Bright. The 9.30 show says to wear your ugliest holiday sweaters and sit back to enjoy a shamelessly cheery evening filled with holiday spirit. So if anyone's looking for some Broadway-themed Christmas and holiday events, this one sounds like a good one to attend. Um, thanks for joining me for this week's Off the Stage. I'll be back next Friday to tell you what's happening off of the Broadway stage. Great. Thanks, Kate. Uh, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? 
All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt and subscribe to Something I Got Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Caitlin, where can people get in touch with you if they want to add anything to the offstage report? They can find me at at Kate Milligan, which is K-A-I-T, which I realize I haven't been saying this whole time. So <laughs> not the easiest way to, yeah, not not the smartest on my part. No, the poor Theresa May that's not Theresa May. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about there. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Theresa May. We apologize in all, on behalf of all America to the world. All right. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayVideo.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for wrapping up the week with us. Um, this weekend, we have a lot of things coming. I don't know any of them off the top of my head. So, But on Sunday, that's this week on Broadway. And on Monday, Matt and I will be back. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>